Good morning. It's good to be back with you again this week as we continue to uh, share uh, the presence of the Lord and worship this morning. Today, we're going to read uh, the passage that we're going to focus on today. Part of it is a prayer, a prayer of Jesus. We call this the Lord's Prayer, but in a sense, it's the model prayer that we just prayed. And this is the prayer Jesus prayed before his crucifixion. Uh, in John 17, Jesus prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me with the glory I had with you before the world began. And continuing in verse 20, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought into complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your son, for the gift that he is to us, for the unity that you bring us to because of the Holy Spirit in our lives. What a glory we have because of you and your presence and your love. What is man that you think of him, the son of man that you care for him, that you have loved us with this unrelentless love. It just keeps coming. God, I pray that today we would hear from your word, that we would hear your truth, that you would speak to our hearts, and that you would move us. You would move us towards unity, that we would be fully in you, and that you would shine your light through us as you live in us. We pray all of this for the glory of Jesus and in his name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue... Uh, uh, to study uh, scripture together. And today we're going to look at a passage that is interesting to me. We're talking about unity. Um, unity. Now, I don't know how you're feeling, but this has been a time where I think the uh, state of the world and our rising pandemic situation continues to bring out things, right? It has brought out 
um, a lot of frustrations. It's brought out a lot of things at work. It's brought out a lot of things in our home lives. It's certainly brought out a lot of things in our nation um, and certain injustices uh, that have been uh, there all along, but I think have been sort of like brought to the surface for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, it's interesting in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus talking about himself talking about himself, said that he has come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Now, Jesus was speaking about himself. Jesus was speaking about the fact that he, uh, as the Messiah King, calls all men and all women and all people to a faith in himself. But that would become a divide. It was a divide in the new Jewish nation. It's a divide in the world today. Because many have chosen and found their salvation in Christ. But many reject that. And that has split homes apart. But you know, it's not just Jesus that splits homes apart. Anybody had that this year? I'm about to go home. Uh, I'm leaving actually after this service. Um, I'm going to spend a few months uh, with my uh, family and my wife's family. We feel like right now with all of our jobs and work is online, uh, we're able to, to take advantage of that situation and want to uh, do some extra care and be there with uh, some aging parents. And we're trying to get there before the rates go. I think we missed it. We missed the window. Uh, but we're trying to, trying to get back. We will see other family members. And I'll be honest, this is not going to, I'm already trying to prep myself. I don't know if you're having to prep yourself for the holidays, but I am prepping myself because we don't always see eye to eye. Now there is love, oh absolutely, there is, there is a unity that comes, but there is division that comes. And let's face facts, this is a time where we have lived through and are maybe not done with some of the deepest divides in this nation. What do we do? We just read Jesus' prayer that the people of God would be unified. And, and you know we're not, right? We know, you know that, that amongst our own denominations or our own, even within our church, especially when we're facing big decisions, we're often split about what are we supposed to do? How do we move forward? What is the right thing? What is God's way? Well, as God's people... I think Jesus in this prayer gave us ways to prepare our own selves to live out in unity. You see, because I've already figured this out. I know how to get my family to be unified. I've already figured this out. I know how to get our churches to be unified. Agree with me. <laughs> then we'll all be one, just as the Father, right? If you would just agree with me, if you would just see my point, if you would just... Okay, you, you, you all see that that's wrong. You all see that that's obviously incorrect. I think in Jesus' prayer, we see the reality that we need to work on our own hearts first. If we will take an examination of where we are and change our perspective so that it reflects Jesus' perspective, unity comes a lot easier. Let's take a look at this. Unity begins with living for the right things. And I'm going to give you four that are in this passage. Number one, living begins with living for the, the glory of God and for his son. Living for the glory of God and his son. This singular idea. Look at what Jesus prayed in John 17. It says, after this, he looked at heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. 
glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. Did you notice that? When Jesus prays for glory, that God would glorify him at the time he was going to the cross and ultimately to the resurrection, where he would return um, to this state of glory, to being at the right hand of the Father, where he would be the first fruit of those from among the dead with a new glorious body transformed into what we will be someday. Heirs of eternal life, Jesus being the one with all supremacy, the one who receives all of that glory, What does he say? Glorify me, period? No. Jesus says, glorify me that the Son may bring glory to you. Jesus had a singular purpose. He knew that his role, even as the monogenes, the only begotten Son of the Father, even as this person, the one by whom and for whom the universe was created, this Jesus, who all, I mean, I can't can't express enough. How worthy he is of glory. He didn't seek his own glory. He sought the glory of the Father. Glorify me that I may bring that glory to you, Father. Out of all the people that don't need to be humble, I mean, Jesus is the one guy that doesn't need to be humble. And yet, you see him pushing the glory back to the Father. What if we had that attitude? That my life is like, like, like the single strand of that rope. The, the, the one single purpose in my heart and my mind is not that I would be glorified. Not that my way would happen. Not that, but that God would be glorified in every action, every word, every interaction. In John chapter 7, if we back up. John chapter 7. Jesus says this, when he's in a big debate, he's in an argument, he's in conflict with the religious leaders of his day. Jesus, in the middle of conflict, says this, whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. See, I kept thinking I was just trying to help my family see the right way. I mean, they're obviously wrong politically. They're obviously wrong in the way they're spending their money. They're obviously wrong in, I thought it was just, you know, I was helping them out. No, down inside, there's the I'm wanting that validation. I'm wanting to show that I'm right. I'm wanting to show that I'm the smartest. I'm wanting to show that I'm the best. We have this desire for our own personal glory. That's what Jesus said. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. Now we can phrase it differently. Maybe we wouldn't call it personal glory. Maybe we'd call it some kind of sense of satisfaction, some sort of uh, feeling that we're right. But he said, he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. Did you hear that? Jesus knew that he was a man of truth. He was sent by God. His desire was to honor God. His desire was to speak truth into our lives, into the lives of the world. That does, that's going to lead to conflict. Jesus was in the middle of conflict here. But the conflict was not coming from a desire for personal glory. The desire to be right. The desire to have his own way. The, desire, the conflict was coming because he was speaking truth. We need to begin with a heart check to make sure that we're not living that we would be glorified, that our way would be made known, but that God's ways would be made known. 
Number two, the idea of if we're going to bring unity, we got to live for the right things. If we're going to live for the right things, we're going to live for eternity and the eternal kingdom. We're going to live for eternity and the eternal kingdom. That wraps up in this bringing glory to God. What does it say, Jesus say? The very next thing in verse 2 in John 17, Jesus says, For you granted him, meaning himself, meaning Jesus, authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Can you imagine being in those debates with Jesus? Could you imagine sitting there and saying, oh, Jesus, listen, listen, you've gone too far here. Jesus knew he is the, the son of God. Jesus knew that he, all the, of God's uh, fullness dwelt in him. He knew, oh my goodness. And you're telling him no. You're telling Jesus, maybe you don't understand. All authority over all people had been granted to him. And he was the dispenser. He was the one who would give out eternal life for all who believed. Jesus says in John 3, right, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but bring eternal life. For us, we are those that are called to live for this eternal kingdom. Now, why does this help us bring unity? I, I get the understanding of trying to live for glory and not for myself. But how in the world does living with this understanding of eternity is what matters, how does that change us? How does that put us more in a, a position to accept unity? Well, I've got to be honest. Part of it is I need to realize this isn't my home. I need to realize that some of the things that, that we're so passionately arguing about don't really matter. Taxes. You know they're coming, right? They're always coming. There's always going to... Taxes. We need some stimulus in America. I, I could back behind that. Somebody's got to pay for that stimulus. That means taxes. There's taxes. They're coming. And some of us have this, these, these perspectives, right, on, on the finances of, the, of America and the finances of the world and the finances for all over. I don't like paying taxes. I've got to be honest. I am not a fan. I don't, I don't know too many people that are. But here's the deal. My money is not really mine. You know I'm not taking any of it with me for eternity. If I pay some more taxes this year, I, I'm not a fan. I'm not voting for it, not wanting it. But if I do, I do. It's going to be okay. About two years ago, I was sitting with the tax consultant right over here, um, here in Towson. They were going over my, my, my taxes, and what, what was interesting is my, my, my pay had gone down, my taxes had gone up, and at first I could feel that, time to vote somebody out of office. <laughs> but then the, the accountant said, but your giving went up. And all of a sudden, there was this peace and joy that came over my life that said, I got to invest more in eternity. So somehow, that, that deposit isn't in my 401ks or in my savings account. That deposit is in eternity because I'm living for eternity. And all of a sudden, I wasn't so upset about paying more taxes. 
What if all of a sudden our arguments weren't about, well, this is how we need to deal with our government, and this is how we need to deal with, with our money in our, in our nation, and these are the programs we need to fund, and these are the things we need to defund, and these are the things. That, and when we realize that, yes, there needs to be change, and yes, there needs to be places where, where things, as Christians, we are working to be salt and light, but perhaps I'm able to listen more. Perhaps I'm able to be calm. Perhaps I'm able to be a man of peace because I know that ultimately God is going to have his way, that eternity is coming. He is going to set things right. Let's work for it together. Let's work for it together in this life. But let's also know I don't have to get so, I can't ever begin to hate my brother hate my brother for the disagreement about this life because the stuff in this life is passing away. Jesus understood that he is citizenship and his kingdom was not of this world. The apostle Paul reflects this. In the book of Philippians, he says this, but our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await, eagerly Await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Don't miss that. It's coming. <laughs> the power that enables him to bring everything under his control. Yeah, they're going to transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. That's how you stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Remembering that this is not our home. We are going to a kingdom. We're going to a king. We're going to be his and with him forever. I'm so thankful that he brings everything under his control. In the book of Philippians, uh, by the time we, a little bit earlier in that, in that very same passage, the apostle Paul's talking about his passion to pursue Jesus. And he ends up saying that, hey, and if on some point you think differently, that too the Lord will make clear to you. Because he knew his citizenship was in heaven. So if you've got a big disagreement, I'll let the Lord correct you. Can we live for his glory? Can we live for eternity? And number three, we need to live to know God both completely and intimately. We need to be those passionate pursuers of that relationship with God over and above the things of this world. The next verse, verse three, it says, Now this is eternal life, Jesus says, that they may know you, the one true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. That's why the Apostle Paul's echoing this. I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. That's that passage that ends with, and if on some point you think differently, that too the Lord will make clear to you. You see, this idea of I want to know Christ begins to take over. So today, instead of how, much, how many different people am I going to disagree with on Facebook today? How many things am I going to unlike or defriend? Or Maybe it's, let me spend some time in your word, Lord. Let me have my perspective changed. Let me spend some time with you, God, in prayer for the people that I'm maybe in conflict with. Lord, let me know you and your ways. I don't know where you're reading right now in your devotion time with God. But I have spent a lot of time over the last few months in the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, 
Ezekiel, and they have spoken to me in a new way. I have seen how God was at work during the time of the people of Israel when they were under pressure. There were kingdoms that were, were, were pushing in. They thought things were going to fall. And ultimately, God's judgment, things did fall. The temple was destroyed. The people of God were sent in exile. And in the middle of this, God's grace. In the middle of this, a Daniel comes who begins to seek God and know God fully um, and, and be used by God to spread the message of who Yahweh, the true God, the one God, spread the, 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 the message of God throughout the Persian, first Babylonian and then the Persian empires as we saw last week. Spend some time looking at how our God is sovereign over history, that he is working through pandemics and governments and all of these things to ultimately make his son known. It changes my perspective on the conflicts. I'm not so worried about those. I'm worried about knowing my God and knowing that he is in control. It brings a peace that passes all understanding. Are you spending time getting to know God? You know, it's interesting. <laughs> so many of our conflicts, if we take time to actually get to know the person, the conflicts melt away. You know, just listen. Get them to tell their story. Once I've heard your story, I can kind of see where your perspective is coming from. I, I, I kind of see and understand uh, the difficulties that you're going through. You all know that I do college ministry and have done that for a long time and enjoy that a lot here at Towson and Hopkins and, and different places. And we did a, 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 a time of, I think that we did three Friday nights. It was sort of like some racial reconciliation um, talks down at, at Johns Hopkins. And um, this was a, about two years back. And the ministry at Hopkins is mostly Asian American and uh, had some unique perspectives. They brought in some guest speakers. It was pretty good. But on the last meeting, uh, they invited, hey, what if the Towson ministry came down? And the Towson ministry is a primarily black ministry. And so the black students and the Asian students got together. And it was interesting as people finally told stories about the conflicts and about the difficulties that they had. It was one thing for people to say, well, this is our perspective on it. This is our understanding. It was a different thing to hear the experiences of the three Towson young men who driving to the Hopkins campus got pulled over. Like, nobody else got pulled over. Well, yeah, of course nobody else got pulled over. The racial injustice, the story that was right before them began to make a change in their perspective. It's the same with the Lord. We need to be those that know God so intimately that we're hearing God's story and understand what God is doing because it lowers the conflict. So while not in this passage, we need to hear each other's story. But in this passage, I think Jesus is challenging us to know God intimately. Because when we know God intimately, we know what he's doing. We begin, well, we may not know exactly what he's doing. <laughs> but we trust that he's got a plan and he's got a purpose. Well, finally this morning, and I think this is the biggie. When we get at the end of this prayer of Jesus, 
he begins to speak very clearly about unity. And he says that our unity needs to come uh, from the fact that we have a purpose of making Jesus known. And when we're not unified, we're not making Jesus known. Let's listen to it. Let's listen to it. Uh, My prayer, Jesus says, is not for them alone. And he's talking about his immediate disciples. He says, I also pray for those who believe in me through their message. That's us. I didn't hear it from John or Peter or James, but I heard it from the people that heard it from the people who heard it from the people who heard it from the people who heard it from, and you got to add a bunch of more peoples in there, Um, Peter and James and John and Paul, and right? Those immediate disciples. He says, my prayer is not for them. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them, that means you and me, would be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us that the world, notice the purpose, that the world may believe that you have sent me. When we have a unity of spirit, because we do have the unity of the presence of the Holy Spirit. For all of us who have believed, we're marked with him in a, with a seal, marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. But we also need to have a unity amongst ourselves that that spirit calls us to. A brotherhood, a sisterhood of believers. So that the world may know that Jesus sent us. Why are we still so divided as believers can't we put some of our preferences aside whether that's musical preferences or leadership or control or the way we do our money we've got to put some things aside so that the world may see that we are unified in philippians 1 he says whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner that's worthy of notice what it says the gospel of christ Not just worthy of Christ. We need to always be holy. We need to be reverent in the way we live. We need to be obedient, of course, because of Jesus. But he says live a life that's worthy of the gospel, the good news. You know what the good news is? That God loved the world, that he sent his son Jesus, that whoever would put their faith in Jesus would not perish but have eternal life. This is the message that the world literally is dying if they don't hear. That Jesus is the savior of the world. We've got to live in a way that is worthy of that message. How does he describe the worthiness? Keep going in Philippians 1. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. The image is of of, of a a basketball team like Syracuse. Um, uh, thank you for wearing the, the Syracuse jersey today. Uh, it, it, it's an amazing, you know, I appreciate that. I, 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 Syracuse, we, okay. Um, uh, but you, there's got to be a way to stick it in there somewhere, you know, squeeze it in. Okay, that, that's probably causing division, <laughs> sorry. Um, but the idea is, are we like a team working together to make Jesus known? Or are we too busy thinking about our divisions and our preferences and our issues. It's the mission that keeps us together. I I grew up in Texas and grew up among Texas Baptists. And Texas Baptists, there's two big Texas Baptist groups now. There used to be just one. I remember when the change happened. You see, there was a man named William Pinson that I grew up uh, seeing. He was sort of the, the leader of the Texas Baptist group. 
William Pinson, I, as I was a young seminary student, I would read his little articles that would come out and that he would send out back when we used paper, like a little, little newspaper thing. I would read them every week. And I was a young seminary student. I thought, this guy, he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> One week, he would write about missions, like how we're doing sending missionaries. Okay, that's good. The next week, he would talk about how we're really trying to... to, to uh, plant new churches and start new churches and, and then the third week we'd be back to missions and how we're sending missionaries then the fourth week it's how we're really like trying to reach people through our churches fifth week we're back to missions sixth week we're back to reaching people through the church I thought can he not come up there's so many other things he could write about as I got a little older maybe a little wiser I don't know I realized oh yeah the next guy who talked about all the different stuff the group split pretty quickly William Pinson kept everybody together because he kept them focused on one thing, the gospel of Jesus. How are we reaching people for Jesus? How are we sending people to reach people for Jesus? How are we reaching people for Jesus? And the mission kept us together, even when everything else might be pulling us apart. John 17 wraps up this way. I have given the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so they may be brought into complete unity. Then look at the last line. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Then the world will know that you sent me, being brought into complete unity. There are some today, I, I, maybe young, maybe old, that you're not part of this team because you don't know Jesus. Today, if you don't know Jesus, the invitation is for you. Put your faith in Christ. <laughs> Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I want to be part of your kingdom. And his promise is to make you one, to make you part of his family, to make you part of his kingdom. Would you say yes to Jesus? For all the rest of us that are believers in Jesus, this passage calls us to a unity that I don't think we're experiencing, but that he has called us to look first in our heart. Are we about bringing glory to, to the Father? Are we about his mission, living for eternity? Are we about knowing God and his ways? It changes everything if we'll let it change us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for praying for us, Lord Jesus. Let your Holy Spirit bring us into complete unity as we seek to glorify you. We pray all of this in the name of the Son, Jesus our Lord. Amen.